Welcome to Unbooking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the beginnings and ends, the firsts and lasts, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. This is not the WWF! This is not WCW! This is ECW on TNN! I'm one half of your hosting duo, Dan Griffin, joined as ever by my partner in podcasting pisseddery, UTT Rob. Rob, how are you, mate? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, Caterasara, whatever will be, will be. I'm going to Wembley. Great times, mate, great times. I was absolutely thrilled to see that Town have made the uh, made the playoff final and uh, I really hope you win it. Yeah, favourites to go down. And uh, yeah, and, and if Leeds fail to get a better result than Burnley on the weekend, we've got a good chance of being the only Yorkshire club in the Premier League. <laughs> that'll, that'll definitely be a turn-up for the Buxton fair, because isn't, um, isn't Tam's starting eleven combined cost about £1.6 million or something daft like that? Yeah, if even that. You might have seen that ridiculous interview that Nathan Jones did after the first leg, where he was saying about how we had really expensive squad and stuff and um was that yeah. was that before or after he faced undertaker at wrestlemania uh, I, just a bit after he um faced undertaker and then in <laughs> 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 town brief, brief sojourn to stoke but he, he couldn't <laughs> couldn't actually do it on a wet tuesday night in stoke so they sent him back to Lewin. <laughs> <laughs> no i made up for you mate and then if touch wood it doesn't happen but if Huddersfield do stay in the championship and Leeds get relegated, they'll be part of a, a Yorkshire triumvirate because uh, Rotherham are going up and we've got a Rotherham fan with us this week. Uh, it's time for a bit of Lee CW. We've got Lee Conway back. How are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me back on. And what a segue, if I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Convol- convoluted as fuck. That's how we like them. No, I know. It's, um, I'll be keeping my fingers crossed that Huddersfield don't go up because it's a quite easy trip for me across the, the uh, Panins then. <laughs> to go in there. <laughs> I do like the New York, but I'm, I'm hoping that we're playing you in the League or FA Cup next season. <laughs> <rather> than... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hope they do go up. It's 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 good when the uh, especially when you get clubs that are not tipped to go up. It's uh, it's always nice to see them triumph. Yeah, we're it's actually favourites to go down. So, well, there couldn't be much between you and Luton at that, could there? Really? <laughs> Probably not. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> no. It's great to have a fairy tale story, and uh, happy for both of your clubs going up and. Uh, well, happy for my club as well. We've got two trophies in the bag at time of recording and if you'd have said before the season started you'd have two cups in second place on a technique. Yeah. So, I think they'll have it. I think it's a difficult task on Sunday for uh, for um uh, I think Liverpool will win, but I can't see Man City not winning. Nah, we will we'll, I've been saying for weeks we'll not get the quadruple. But you know, what team are gonna do it? But anyway, we're not a football podcast, we're a wrestling podcast. I did say before, we've got uh, Lee back for some Lee CW, and we are looking at ECW on TNN. We're going to do the first episode this week, but before we get to that, we've got the very serious business of uh, of beer to discuss. Is anybody drinking, Lee? Yeah, yeah, yes. I've uh, I've got a few lined up here. So I've just starting with BBN 
number five, an Indian Pale Ale. I think I've had that. Yeah, I think I've had that. Yeah. And then, and then uh, I've got some stouts which I don't like. So it's uh, you said this last time. I know. So I've got Belfield uh, Dark Sky Porter. All right. And and a uh, Black Isle Brewing Company Walrus. Not heard of either of those, but yeah. the stouts are the probably see some funny faces. It's uh, it's a good job. It's an audio podcast and not a visual one. Oh, we're actually. This is our first one for YouTube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be like gurning while I'm uh, <laughs> drinking them. We're wondering what you've dropped in your pint. Rob, what are you on, mate? Well, there was some gurning uh, just before the podcast started and a bit of a run around because Beth bought two boxes full of short-dated beer that had originally been in a beer hawk thing, but I think she got about 40 bottles and cans for um, 17 quid. So, yeah, uh, I'm having to drink those now because, obviously, I need to work my way through them so the other beer that I've got doesn't go off, let alone uh, this stuff. But but the first two I opened, I opened a uh, Roddenbach Classic, and, and that was vinegar because it's gone <laughs> off. Uh, and then I opened um, Beer Garden by Night by uh, Yankee and Crew, and, and that was vinegar because it had gone off. But, yeah, so maybe it'll come down to being uh, worth what you paid for it. But I've got, uh, at the moment... A Hef through Wentz from Grand Central Brewing Company, and it's a banana beer, and that's quite nice actually. And not not one I'd appreciate to be honest, because I don't like banana. No, it doesn't. It tastes like banana flavour, not banana, which doesn't taste like banana. Although I did hear today, I don't know if it's true, that they developed banana flavour, and then there was some kind of banana disease that's changed the taste of bananas, which is why banana flavour doesn't taste like bananas. And the word banana has lost all meaning to me now. <laughs> Uh, and then <laughs> and then I've got a coffee shop of horrors which I've actually had before from ABC Brewery but uh, again this is a, another one of Beth's uh, cheapy beers that uh, we've got oh. like at the house and Rob's catchphrase is life's too short to drink the same beer twice I, I, yeah it'd be just um, awful to let it go off plus I, I had four beers in front of me and I've thrown two away <laughs> in the last ten minutes so that is pretty tragic um, I, had a, I had a Beaver Town neck oil before we started recording. Uh, but for now, I've gone back to our old friends at Tartarus Brewing, and I've got a Charon, which is maple, pecan, and vanilla imperial stout, 13%. I'm sure I've had it on the uh, on the podcast before. It will have definitely got over four. I forgot to look up what I actually gave it. It's probably a 4.5, because it's fucking delicious, and you can't go wrong with, uh, with Tartarus. And if you go to tartarusbeers.co.uk and put in the promo code UTTPODCAST15, you can get 15% off. Yeah, sorry, the rest sorry, check sorry, out. Did I, did I steal your thunder there? No, not at all. No, if, if you want to do that, crack on. And, then, uh, and after that, I've got a, a beer that's been in the uh, been in the back of back of the fridge for a while because I bought three of them. And it's uh, it's a 12 percenter, but it's a salted caramel tom cocoa from Brew York. Salted caramel, coconut, cacao, tonka, and vanilla imperial stout. Because my signal is so shit at the minute because three are doing work on the masts. That I couldn't get a trembling madness order in, so yeah. I'm finally making my way through the uh, the good stuff that I've been uh, that I've been saving. So yeah, that's uh, that's a story in my bit and, and a slight moan, which yeah. um, uh, which I'm sure everybody always loves. <laughs> so as previously mentioned, previously mentioned, we're looking at ECW on TNN first episode tonight, and we're talking about beer. So Lee, what would you recommend people drink while watching ECW on TNN? 
I had a quick look round and I found that there's uh, there was a brewing company called Steel City or Steel Chair. Uh, right. They did uh, numerous uh, wrestling beers called Sharpshooter Pale Ale and Lion Tamer IPA, Scorpion Death Stout, Big Boot Real American Raspberry Ales. So I thought any of them will do, I think, for uh, for this show. Sounds good to me and sounds like something we need to check out, Rob. Yeah, it definitely does, yeah. They, they sound very much our street, don't they? Wrestling and beer, how can you go wrong? What would you recommend, Rob? Well, when I search extreme for uh, my beers on Untapped, it comes out with um, a Belgian strong golden ale, Delirium Tremens, at 8.5%, which is, is really nice. So I, I didn't bother going that much further into the investigation because it's a, a decent beer and you know how I feel about my Belgian beers. Fair enough. Well, uh, well, I work backwards on this and uh, I looked up next week's uh, beer recommendation first and got left with the uh, the slightly shittier one for this week. So I've gone for Mega Sours Collide from Top Rope because it's a wrestling connection, but also because it's a very tasty 6.3% fruited sour that I gave 3.75 to on untapped out of five. Yeah, sounds and, good. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. Does uh, Beth have a beer for us this week? And Beth's beer of the week is No Near Never by Reedley Hallows Brewing Company, because I'm a sucker for marketing. There you go. Best beer of the week. It's a Burnley beer. It's No Near Never by Reedley Hallows Brewing Company, and it's one that Beth gave 4.25 out of 5 to an untapped. Was that for the theming or the taste? I imagine it's the theming, to be honest. But uh... <laughs> And you're just throwing it out there hoping that Burnley stay in the Premier League over Leeds. Oh, God, I really hope they do. I really <laughs> hope they do. I, I'm sure the whole footballing world hopes that Leeds go yeah. down. Yeah, well, this is the thing, right? I'm a Liverpool fan, but my dad's a Leeds fan. But obviously I'm, I'm good friends with you and Beth, and Beth's a Burnley fan. So I kind of want... I, I wanted Everton to go down for obvious reasons. But I'm not going to be happy whoever stays up. The thing is, Dan, Leeds fans aren't going to be happy either way. You know? yeah, but, yeah, but at least if Leeds are in the Premier League, it gives everybody else somebody to hate. <laughs> I saved a snarky article that the Yorkshire Evening Post... Uh, had when Town stayed up uh, in the Premier League that first season about how Leeds was, you know, the ultimate powerhouse in Yorkshire football that I'm waiting to post when they get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just dreading to see how much it's going to be to uh, go in the way end at Leeds next year, that's all. And if they stay in the Premier League, you won't have to worry about that. Exactly. It'll be all right. Anyway, again, we're, not a, we're a wrestling podcast, <laughs> not a football podcast. And we're looking at ECW on TNN, so a little bit of background. Uh, ECW on TNN, also known as ECW Wrestling, as it appears on the network, was produced by ECW and aired on the Nashville network, TNN, which is now the Power, uh, Paramount Network. It was created by Paul Heyman, who also owned HHG Corporation, which is ECW's parent company, and it presented ECW matches on Friday nights and was the only national television programme in ECW's history. The show we're looking at tonight debuted on August 27th, 1999, which was five years to the date that Shane Douglas threw down the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and rechristened ECW, then known as Eastern Championship Wrestling, as Extreme Championship Wrestling. Uh, in 99, Heyman signed a three-year contract with TNN in the hopes of expanding national awareness of the company. Prior to ECW on TNN, ECW shows were only televised via syndication, as we, sh- as we saw last time Lee was on 
with uh, with the other ECW show whose name escapes me now because I'm a fucking useless. ECW um, Hardcore TV. That's the one. That's the one. Rob's got my back. For its part, the network TNN added ECW to its Friday Night Thrill Zone lineup in an attempt to help build up uh, and increase the uh, the teenager and young male viewership uh, that Roller Jam had brought to the network. And uh, have you ever watched any Roller Jam? I haven't. <laughs> oh, when when they mentioned it, because they do say later on who's uh, the Roller Jam match that's on afterwards, and that's actually, well, quite a lot of roller jams on YouTube. I did watch that. Was it New York? It, it were the California Quakes versus the New York Enforcers. That's and the I one. Did, I did have actually a look, and the California Quakes, unless there's any spoiler alerts here, they won 41-40. It, oh, wow, it, close match. It, it's brutal, though. It was like extreme... What did these roller, roller derby? Roller derby, isn't it? Roller derby, yeah. Okay, it's like an extreme so, version of that. So it's, so it's not a baking show. But I, I, <laughs> I watched a little bit of it, and because they, they have like four rounds, and the odd number of rounds it's the women's teams, and the even number of rounds it's the men's. And in the women's, they're like you know elbowing each other, and uh, one one lady uh, elbowed at high speed the other one, and she just flipped like over the barrier and stuff. It, it was. Absolutely brutal, but the, I mean, I was watching like clips of uh, Roller Jam, and obviously they were cashing in on, you know, the Attitude Era, uh, ECW type stuff. They'd have like evening gown rounds or whatever, you know, <laughs> and they're going high speed on these rollerblades on these inclined planes. I mean, if you take a tumble when you're in lingerie, there's going to be some <laughs> serious damage. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh dear me. Insanity. <laughs> That's fucking. Up. I'm gonna have to look that up now. That sounds immense. I mean, I think that I think normally they wore proper uniforms. To be fair, I think that was just I mean, a shame you know. grab. But I mean, if we can find a normal uniform wearing uh, match, uh, we 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 might go and review some roller jam. <laughs> oh, we, we should we should do a, a Friday night thrill zone special where we watch roller jam and then an episode of ECW or whichever way around it went. Yeah, and watch the one from that night as well, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Lee, in for that? <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> and uh, just last thing on the um, uh, on the background is that going into 2000, uh, the network did claim a vast improvement in the young male demographic on Friday nights due to ECW's edition. Uh, there is more background to that, but we'll address that in uh, in a future episode where we look at the, uh, the last episode of ECW on TNN because... Uh, any time we get Leon, he's always got to do the first and the last because we, we just force him to. <laughs> but we'd always said about that we might have done the highest and lowest when we were uh, of this series when we were doing the first season. So maybe if we do one of the highest or lowest in a roller jam, that'll fit in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no oh, point in this one, though. Now we know the score. We've got to do one that we don't know the score. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll watch it live as well too. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. The, I don't even know the score. It. <laughs> you, you have you have to lap um, members of the opposite team, so that there's uh, per, one person on each team that's trying to overtake, and the rest are trying to block. And right. you have to go and try and overtake them. I, I only found out this today when I was. Uh, <laughs> they had a little computer graphic showing how you do it. Oh, fair enough. That, that I, I need that. Um, <laughs> And uh, just just a fair warning. I'm, well, I'm going to propose it now. Um, I'm going to propose that every time we go back to uh, to Joey Styles in his little studio that we uh, we take a drink. 
He is in satellite base, isn't he? <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's very much at ground control. <laughs> he's in his so, bedroom with a flag behind him. To be fair, yeah. he's, he's two steps above Peter Crockett. From yeah, that god awful bullshit. Anyway, getting into the show, uh, it opens up. The opening shot is the Dudleys putting someone through a flaming table. And the crowd are going nuts. And Joey Styles is yelling, this is not WWF, this is not WCW, this is ECW on TNN. And just that intro alone, I thought, fair enough, that is pretty bloody good. If you want to like grab somebody's attention and say, what the hell is this? That's, that's a way to do it. It was almost exactly the same as the intro to Glow. You know, when they had the hardcore smashing yes. chairs over each other, putting people through tables and saying this isn't the WWF. You know. yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten that, surprisingly. Yeah. I, know I'm, I know I'm notorious for my memory, but I'd, I had forgotten that. And we get the, the sort of the classic ECW music, and they had pretty cool graphics for, uh, for 1999, and a, uh, a suitably insane highlight video. So at this point, I'm looking at it going, yeah, fair, I'm in on that. and Because that really was... A, a fantastic opening. It stands up or or betters, both WWF and WCW at the time for me. Don't know how you guys felt about just the opening cinematics and whatnot. Yeah, I loved it. It's um, as you say. I think it just it's like you got impact straight away, and um, and and I think it, it it sort of that what thirty seconds just sort of really explained everything that ECW was different to WWF or WWE. And they got the balcony dive by New Jack, which is absolutely insane. No, it is fucking nuts. People debate whether wrestling's fake. New Jack ain't fake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) New Jack fucking isn't fake. (laughs) Jesus. So the the intro ends and we're, uh, we're with Joey Styles. So have a drink. He's there getting ready to broadcast some of the most extreme matches we'll see. But what better way to introduce themselves than with the TV title? And he reels off a few people who've held the title, and it's basically everybody whose name ends in O. So we get Jericho, Malenko, Guerrero, Scorpio, Bigelow, and Taz. But Tazo. <laughs> Tazo, yeah. <laughs> weren't they like, weren't they the chocolate bars or, or like some sort of drink at one point, Tazos? You're thinking of Freddo's, aren't you? <laughs> no, well, no, they definitely had a Taz bar. <laughs> I don't remember the Taz bars, they were like Freddo's, but shaped like Tasmanian Devil and filled with caramel. I remember the Highland Toffee bars with the Highland Catalog. Oh, especially if you got them with chocolate on them as well. Highland Toffee oh, with yeah. chocolate. Oh, I was a more traditional uh, Highland Toffee bar man. <laughs> yeah. We used to, uh, at dinner time, we used to go down to the uh, sweet shop and they used to have them in the fridge, so they'd just like you break your teeth trying to get through an Highland Toffee then. <laughs> Can't believe you don't remember the Taz bars. No, lost me then. Oh, fucking pair of heathens. <laughs> you probably... Oh, no, it won't work. That's just your hand down. Oh, yes, I do remember oh, them. Yeah, so they're like Freddo's, but just a Tasmanian devil. But they were filmed with caramel. Ah. Mm. Don't they do a caramel Freddo? Isn't that the yellow Freddo? It's a bullshit merchant is what it is. It should be called a Taz. <laughs> <laughs> But back to the point. You know, the, <laughs> you're right, Lee. Yeah. Fair play to him reeling off names like Malenko, Guerrero, Scorpio, Bigelow, and Taz. Uh, sorry, not Taz at this point, but the rest of them have got you know naming either WWF or 
well, WCW at this point. So why not? But then they save the hype and all the all the fun stuff for maybe the greatest TV champion ever is the current one, Mr. Mister Pay-Per-View RVD. Did you see the TV title belt, though? Did you see what it looked like when Taz had it? No. It was just a rip-off of the Winged Eagle WWF belt. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> because, of course, it was. Why not? Bought a replica and, and smashed it up a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but we uh, we go straight into Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn, which was from I, can't, I didn't note down which show it was from because it wasn't sort of live on the night, so to speak. It was uh, it was very much sort of a, uh, a highlight show. Yeah, it was from ECW Hardcore Heaven '99, which was broadcast on the 16th of May. So a fair while before it, but uh, it didn't stop this being uh, for my money a, a bloody a bloody fun match. Just as soon as RVD comes out and I, I see and hear Bill Alfonso, I want to rip my own skin off. Yeah, I hate him with the whistle all the time. There, there was quite a few things in this match that, that really took me out of it. The, the awful replay packages that they showed and they had oh. weird music over the top. And in the middle of the match, they had a highlight package for each of them. So you have a bit of match, yeah. then like a, a minute-long highlight package, and then a bit of match, and then another one. Been a long highlight package, and yeah, th- th- there was that, and then there was a, a, sort of a couple of botches in the match, which Jerry Lynn went for a um, a suplex and fell down, followed by a "you fucked up" chant, yeah. and then th- I don't think the ending as well. I think because they seem to redo the ending spot, so. It was like you know you you were putting this out on a highlight show. You could have edited some of that stuff out. But instead, they decided to edit in the crappy replays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they went. They went to a lot of effort to make it look worse rather than better. When you know, maybe maybe the chopping, maybe the um, cutting room floor was where some of this match should have been. Which is a real shame for me because the actual like in ring action, you know, Bell, you know, from what we saw, was really bloody good. You know, when it was just RVD and Jerry Lynn going at it, I was I was actually quite taken in by it. Yeah, they had a really good yeah. like they had like a really nice. Um, you know, sort of quick opening flurry and really quick exchange brought it down and then went to the high impact stuff. You know, you had stuff like uh, Jerry Lynn dodging the Van Daminator and and twatting RVD and, and busting him up, which admittedly may be one of the botches that you're referring to, Rob. Yeah. But mm. from a, a layman's point of view, when you say, "Oh my God, he's been," you know, he's been busted up and that, you're just like, "Wow, this is this is incredible." I thought it was really good, and I thought it was really good to introduce to an audience that had never seen ECW before. There was probably the hardcore ECW fans thinking, you know, why are they showing this again? There were bits that they could have done to this match to, to make it better, and I just felt they went to effort to make it worse, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. But it, it was a really good match and a really good representation of ECW. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I thought was strange is, is that, obviously, because ECW were known for its extreme, that... They actually opened it up with what is predominantly were more of a pure wrestling match. I don't know if it were just purposeful that to sort of try and put across to people that you know that we we're not just a, an extreme thing that puts people through tables and uses like lots of uh, equipment to uh, hit other people with. But and so uh, they could just put a a pure wrestling match on and, and sort of maybe trying to get a few more people involved to watch the project that way. 
Yeah, well, coming to we'll come to some of that um, in the next episode. But there were certain sort of creative differences between uh, between ECW and the network in terms of what they wanted, mm. um, and that that did include a degree of sort of toning down some of the more I suppose you call it death matchy elements. But uh, nevertheless, you know they still had uh, they were still going for the moves. You know, like like I said with the Van Daminator and things like that, there was. They were fighting the crowd. There was dives, dives to the outside, and dives into the crowd. Van Dominators in the crowd. It was, you know, there, there was enough there to, for a wrestling fan just like flicking onto it to say, "Oh wow, you know, this is this is uh, this is different." Yeah, I mean, I've just wrote down a few high spots here, and there were like Rob Van Dam hit it like a tornado DDT and into a clothesline, which was just like wow, just such a great move. Mm. And then the sunset. One of the things I really liked regarding the camera work, which there weren't much, but on this one was when he Jerry Lynn did the sunset flip onto the power bomb through the table. They'd actually mm. filmed it that you couldn't see the table, so actually it looked like you were power bombing him onto the floor, and then the table just dropped, like actually cushioned him, and so you re- didn't realise it was there. But there were there were some absolutely fantastic like high spot moves. Yeah, that that one through the table that you mentioned was just it looked brutal. Mm. And but yeah. you had um, you had things in the ring like you said about tornado DDTs. There was a point. It was uh, one of the cutbacks from the uh, the quote unquote extreme replay. When RVD's countering a tornado DDT into a Northern Light suplex, yeah, stuff like that, just like stuff that at that time you only saw RVD doing. No, he was just he was so far ahead. Imagine a prime RVD in sort of like a, an AEW today. Mm. I think a prime RVD in that environment would be the most over person in the room because he'd find a way. To again elevate himself beyond what the rest of the what the rest of the company were doing. I think he'd be a big star for the first three weeks, and then once he's on to his second rivalry, Tony Khan would forget about him and he'd be a mid carder. <laughs> yeah, but that's Tony Khan's fault because he's an absolute cooked up tithead, allegedly. And have another a new surprise. <laughs> yeah, he'd be, he'd be signing Jerry Lynn, and then the next month he'd be signing Jerry Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> as long as that meant he got a tank cabot. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't afford tank Abbott. <laughs> but yeah, th- this was this was a really enjoyable match. I do believe at one point Bill Alfonso ate shit and uh, and got uh, got smacked about, which is uh, which is always nice. But there was there was a lot of throwing chairs and leading to moves. But yeah, I liked it. the the finish uh, the finish sequence was pretty good as well. Uh, Jerry Lynn put RVD on the turnbuckle. RVD fights him off and he gets a split leg moon sort of a two. Uh, there's a snapmare. Corkscrew leg leg drop, five star frog splash, but Lynn rolls uh, Jerry Lynn rolls it through for the two, and I thought that was a great near fall. Yeah, did Joey Styles say at that point, "No one survives the five star frog flash," and he rolls it through for the two, and he's running around like nothing's happened to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, all right, yeah, that that took me out of it a little bit. That was a great, but then there's a bit of a hold exchange. Bill Alfonso throws. And of all things, after that great near fall, Bill Alfonso throws the chair in. Uh, Van Dam hits the Van Daminator and the frog splash for the three. So it was, I, I maybe did it a bit too much. Uh, I maybe built it up a bit too much. I saying it was great, but there was a great build up and then the finish. I, I really enjoyed it. And the airtime on the uh, frog, frog splash, especially the second and what, what he really, really got high on that. I bet he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. 
so high when it... <laughs> so high you devise gravity. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we really like the opening match. There's a lot more we could get into, but to be honest, I start trying to highlight bits for for my notes, you know, just to do one or two high spots, but it's more highlight than not. Yeah. Just yeah. just it was spot it. fest, weren't it? Well, it was spot fest once they got into it. It was, but it was one of those spot fests that that because they were both sort of participating in it and, and it felt it still felt like a contest. Yeah. I think they did work well together. Really well. Yeah. They did complement each other. Well, they only wrestled each other 57,000 times. Well, this is it, yeah. So they should have got it right by then. <laughs> <laughs> but coming out of the match, we're back with uh, with Joey Styles. Drink. He's promising to look at the ECW title and he's name-dropping people like Steve Austin, who wanted it more than anything. He plugs Roller Jam. And, to be uh, fair, he, pl- he plugs Roller Jam after the break. So in real time, Joey Styles' satellite base... Then they go to the commercial break, and then we're back with Joey Styles satellite base. So technically, drink, <laughs> drink. Well spotted, Rob. Uh, but he's he's come back and he's he's hyping Taz, and then he name drops Mick Foley, Conan, Perry Saturn, Rick Stein, oh, and Ron Simmons. Just on Roller Jam, he also name drops the commentator Ken Resnick, who we've seen on uh, WWF Superstars before. Oh yeah, I didn't sorry again. My memory's failing me. I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> all drunk all both um, no fucking hell uh, so he's name dropping those people but when he gets to Ron Simmons he says Ron Simmons who most people will now know as Farouk which I don't know why just it felt somehow like a dig even though I don't think it was it's funny because the ECW was getting sort of paychecks from the World Wrestling Federation and both products seem to take jabs at each other to try and throw people off the scent. You know, with all Jerry Lawler calling them extremely crappy wrestling and Jim Cornette on commentary running them down and stuff uh, in WWE. Yeah, yeah but that had so been a shoot with Cornette, though. Well, I, I, I don't think Cornette knew, to be fair. <laughs> Maybe uh, <laughs> yeah. um, Jerry Lawler did because they kept sending him to ECW, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. And uh, then he, he, pl- he, you know, mentions uh, Stevie Richards, Chris Benoit, and again, Steve Austin. And he, he ends it with a great line. He says, we'll be back in a stone cold minute, which uh, I thought was a nice touch. Uh, we get a recap of, of the infamous Shane Douglas promo, fucking off the NWA title and declaring himself the ECW world champion in 1994, which, as I said before, was five years ago to the night that this aired. Tonight, be 
rise as the new ECW heavyweight champion of the world. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Let me tell you something, Cole. You better booker it better. And that noise right there means it's time for Steve-O to booker it better. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Cole. I'm not the kind of guy that gets handed a title on a plate. In the years that I was with WCW, I became a five-time WCW champion. That's right, Michael Cole. The five-time, 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 five-time WCW champion. So let me tell you something, Cole. When a company relinquishes itself and hands out the belts, I, I don't want it anymore. I throw it away. I'm going to declare myself the new heavyweight champion of the world. I am going to be Booker T, or as you can call me, King Booker, the heavyweight champion of the world. Now, can you dig that, sucker? As usual... Steve-O's nailed it with a comedy. <laughs> but, but that was actually a pretty fucking good promo. I thought it was a, a, a decent promo, that if I'd have seen it on uh, on one of the shows. That were actually a good Booker T promo. <laughs> Fair play, Steve-O, you're booking it better. As always, you've done well, mate. But after the uh, after the Shane Douglas uh, recap, we get some more name dropping. So it's more former champions, Raven, Sandman, who is now known as Hardcore Hack. Where do, uh, we, get, where do we get the name dropping from, though, Dan? We've gone back to satellite base. Joey Styles, drink. <laughs> I'm doing this with a fucking 13% beer. This is proper biting me in the ass. <laughs> you all right, Lee? Yeah, Ooh, that, was a, that was a face. If that was, that's one of the gurning stout faces. I need to be a bit quicker on the old uh, screen grab button. <laughs> <laughs> Here is your face on UTT podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Joey Styles is back. He's name dropping Raven, Sandman, Funk, Bigelow, Sabu, and again hypes Taz. And uh, we get uh, we get. It's uh, Taz versus Rhino from uh, from the same show, I believe. Was it, Rob? No, it was from the 25th of June, 99 episode of ECW Hardcore TV. Shows how much attention I was fucking paying. Uh, <laughs> but... Well, they didn't say. I had to go on cage match and try and work out these damn things. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I just could not be bothered. Well, so Rhino's subbing in for Steve Carino. Taz is on the mic saying he gives people what they want, and he's not just gonna—he's not just gonna choke Rhino out. He's gonna make him bleed, and he gives. I've always thought this is a good line, but I can't figure out what it says. Beat me if you can, survive if I let you. That's very much from the Tank Abbott school of logic, isn't it? He just wants to hurt people rather than uh, yeah. Necessarily... Surely, beat me if I let you survive if you can. Makes more sense. I mean, in wrestling, it's not always about beating people, you know, because you're a, you know, you're more powerful or you're a superior wrestler. There's the weird, wacky roll-up and, and catching yeah, some true. all this sort of stuff. And there have been boxers who've been world champion who haven't necessarily been, you know, the best boxer. They've just had a lucky night. And Trevor Trevor Burbick beating Mike Tyson. 
think was it Trevor Burbick? No, Buster Douglas, sorry. Buster Douglas, yeah. Buster, I, don't, I don't know where I pulled Trevor Burbick from. Fucking hell, I know he fought Tyson, but Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Burbick definitely beat him. He, he, that's where the rubber legs with Trevor Burbick, where he tried yes. to stand up and just fell over. <laughs> Do you know what it was? I was listening to, um, I was listening to Crime in Sports earlier and they mentioned Burbick because <laughs> they did a full episode on him. Oh, have you the Diego Maradona one's class? I've not listened to that one yet. I've got a massive back catalogue of podcasts to listen to. Oh, Lex Luger's very good as well. I've, that's one of the ones I've got to listen to. <laughs> anyway, we're getting sidetracked again. We're not a podcast podcast, we're a wrestling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But the match just starts and it rhinos straight in with a powerbomb and Taz no-sells it and hits a massive lariat. And instantly, that's it, I'm hooked. I'm into no pun intended, by the way, with the hook comment. It was short and sweet, this, but... It did what it needed to do. Taz looked an absolute murder machine. It didn't do a lot for Rhino. But. Yeah, this was something that, I, that really surprised me because it, it was sort of, if you take this to Rhino, probably not much later, which, you know, that he was coming across the killing machine then, they were really surprised that, you know, that they sort of just buried him so quickly. It was, you know, because once Rhino had got in his stride, uh, winning matches, you know, no, he, he was the one that was sort of unbeatable. But mm-hmm. but this one, it was just literally, well, like a squash match. Yeah, but I think you know, I, I, this was really early on in Rhino's in Rhino's career as well, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think at this point as well, Taz is, Taz is the man, and you can tell that by the crowd reaction. He doesn't need to be out there for long. He needs to hit his greatest hits, beat someone down, send the crowd home happy. Yeah, and obviously, it didn't hurt Rhino in the long run. No, it's a shame that Reiner had Steve Carino there as his manager because Steve Carino was great on commentary in Ring of Honor, and I think would have added something to the Joey Styles one man booth if he'd been there. You know, he, he mm. sort of coined the Young Buck super kick, you know, and all this sort oh, yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a short and sweet match. Taz is on top for most of it. We get a, what I think was a it was either a dragon suplex or a half or a half and half suplex through a table, and uh, then half, it's, half, yeah. Yeah, half and half, and then it's a, it's a Taz mission for the win. And then he just launches Rhino through the rest of the table for a laugh after. Yes. <laughs> but, Who does he think he is? The wall. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I have no problem with this. It Like I say, it was short and sweet, but it, if, you, if you're just tuning in and you're thinking, who the hell is this little bastard? And how the hell is he fucking up this giant Rhino? Again, it's going to draw you in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true. And then we're back to Joey Styles. Drink in his bedroom with his flag up. Get, uh, that sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Anyway, um, fuck's sake. Even when I'm not meaning to, so I'll make make a fucking dirty joke. We get. I think it's uh, Paul Heyman doing the voiceover amid uh, amid a Sabu video package. Uh, saying that Sabu's called ECW home since October 1st, 1993. A man so insane they flock from around the world to see him perform. But you can't see him live anymore because he's banned in the USA. Oh, it was brilliant that they said that, wasn't it? You know, yeah. this is this is how to like draw intrigue into a character. If you tell someone that they can't see him or that it's banned or whatever, they're going to want to. While showing all Sabu's scars and him looking like an absolute maniac. And putting um, Skull Von Crush, a.k.a. Big Vito, through a table. <laughs> Very true, yeah. And and they end it with the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal Sabu. 
mm. which was a great tagline in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I just put notes here just saying, and, and I just put, was there any other artist like Sabu? Like, his innovations with, like, chairs and everything were just groundbreaking. It was just... It was just miles in front of his, uh, his time. It was miles in front. It's mad to me that he's still doing it today. Yeah. yeah. Since since he, since he had his hip replaced, he's like he's like reborn. Yeah. It uh, might not say uh, you can't see him. Do 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> I did try and uh, I don't know if uh, any of you can answer. I'm, I think I might have got it. I've got an answer down here, but I don't know if it's right. Is why was he banned from the, from America? Violence. Well, I, I got down. I don't know if this is right. We're just saying that that when Sabu broke his jaw, the Impact players had, had him eventually banned because he's because of his injury and because he was too dangerous and violent. That sounds like something Landstorm would be involved in. To <laughs> exactly. <be> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he returned um, at Anarchy Rules, uh, which wouldn't have been far after this, it was in 1999. Yeah. Yeah. It, Sabu in the 90s was just an absolute phenomenon. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, I think it. You know, there were the stuff like this that, that sort of stood ECW apart from anybody. You know, just these like. Crazy characters, but crazy. It wasn't like new generation or before crazy wrestling characters in WWF. It wasn't you know everybody had a job. It was you had these people who seemed like absolute fucking lunatics, just destroying themselves for your entertainment. It was it was a proper gladiator style. Are you not entertained? Yeah, I think it just it, it were very lucky to hit the mark of what. You know what the society were at that time regarding what everybody wanted. You know, it would mm. it would have been sort of that time that, you know, that it would have been that time for Nirvana and stuff like that. Once it, the, the it would have been the grunge era. I think I think wasn't wasn't Nirvana for Nirvana early nineties. Nirvana was earlier than uh, the earlier. Yeah, but, it, yeah, but it, that would have been like the start of ECW, wouldn't it? I, I think ECW kind of evolved with the audience. So, you know, I mean, obviously we saw that first episode of ECW Hardcore TV and it, it was very evolved from that. You know, and, and I think they just found something that the hardcore fans liked and just, just kept pushing it and pushing it. Nirvana, Nirvana formed in 1987. All right. And and were only active until 1994. All right, so they yeah, so the, yeah, they would have been in the prime probably when ECW started, but it would have been not the ECW that we yeah, know. But I think the comparison is still quite appropriate though, because that sort of grungy spirit, that anti-hero sort of thing, that in the same spirit as Steve Austin encapsulated the anti-hero in WWF, ECW was sort of that as a promotion. Yeah, counterculture. That's the that's the sort of thing I'm looking for. Like, it's like Vince. It's like Vince had been the cure for the common show, isn't it? The the era of good guys and bad guys is definitely passé. Yeah. Except they actually fully or almost fully embraced it and just went, "We're going to go mental, have the violence. We're still going to have the wrestling." Because that's what a lot of people forget is that there was some bloody good wrestling in ECW. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, if we if we take it as that, then what do we sort of think that? The era of like the 
DX and Steve Austin, would that have come about if it hadn't to be for ECW? Um, we still been, you know, having a dump truck driver and a. Uh, given ECW's involvement with WWE, it's it's hard to say because. I, I think we would have. No, I, I do think we would have done because, I mean, the whole thing of you know the Russo and the car crash TV was moving it to be, you know, more like Jerry Springer. I think it was sort of the zeitgeist of the moment. There was a lot of stuff. And ECW, as iconic as it is in the hardcore wrestling fan base, wasn't that widely watched, especially when it's in syndication. And there was a lot of other stuff that was happening sort of in society at the same time. Like you say, um, you know, like things like Nirvana. You know, when you come thinking about the late nineties TV, you know, one, one of the biggest shows here was The Word. Uh, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that, Lee. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say topless darts, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, we've, we've, we've covered that when we've done the UWA on live TV. You know, that live TV completely encapsulates how crazy the late nineties were and yeah. how, how it was this era when all these sort of channels exploded and you could watch anything and. One of the reasons that that Sega Mega Drive became, you know, a massive success over the SNES was that it was felt to be edgy, and you mm, know, yeah. SNES was edgy, and this is the violent thing as opposed to your sedate, you know, Mario was going around and collecting coins sort of thing. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just this edginess to the entirety of society, and it was through everything. So I, I don't know if it's that WWE copied ECW so much as you know, the whole feeling of the moment, sort of, you know, and, and culture within that. Sorry, I, I was going to say that I don't know if WWE gets there that quickly without WC, without ECW's influence. They, they knew they had to do something different, and yes, Russo was there and, and the car crash TV and all the rest of it, but they always had a finger, or at least half a finger, on the pulse of what was happening elsewhere. In, in ECW so maybe they do get there but maybe not quite as quick I don't know yeah. because the, the whole late 90s thing it, it's it was all about the way Rob's put it there was, was so you can sort of sum up and just say it was all about entertainment in general pushing the boundaries and you know they had all this suddenly all this new technology and new means and new ways of of exploring entertainment and that led to all sorts of match. I mean, you know, Jackass was early two thousands. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know it's still going today. It was just <laughs> the Jackass guys have just been not long at time recording, been in one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time, for my money. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it just. I think sometimes that the you know it it just it don't get the recognition. That you know that it brought the attitude era, you know, and and then also then if you look at it from a WCW point of view, it also brought the uh, the junior heavyweight. So you, mm. you know, that you know bring in psychosis and and Rey Mysterio and and the luchadors into ECW, you know that then sort of sprung it a different way. That was you know that that's the beauty of him, and I think he would just as you say he got his he had his finger on the pulse on every move and where and if somebody tried to emulate it 
he were already moving in a different direction before they'd even thought of it. Yeah. I think the other thing as well is it, it's there was an entire generation of TV ready wrestlers who were there for WWE and WCW to sign. So even mm. if they, you know, even if you know we were given the benefit of the doubt and say that if they could have come up with their own creative where would they have got these stars from? You know, we saw all those people that WWE were bringing in from the USWA and it was awful, wasn't it? You know, PG-13 and... and, (laughs) Cybernetico. Yeah, Yeah. but uh, the absolute breath of fresh air that went into both promotions, you know, with the Perry Satins, the Landstorms, the Rey Mysterios, the the Chris Jerichos, uh, you know, later on the Tommy Dreamers, the RVDs, the Dudleys, Public Enemy... Steve Austin, Mick yeah. Foley, you know, the, the amount of people that went through and, and honed or improved the craft or the gimmick in ECW is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. It, it's got an amazing, and I, I think you're right, I think it's an under, underappreciated legacy. It is, because if you just take it as, you know, as a hardcore federation, then you just, you miss 75% of the product. Because you know what what is under underneath that was the bit that made it. You, the, I think the the hardcore stuff got you in, interested, but you stopped because of the the other stuff. Because you know the, it was the natural wrestlers. You know, as you say, the you know the the Eddie Guerrero's, the Dean Malenko's, the Chris Benoit's. The you know these there were pure wrestlers that lots of people in America had virtually never seen. You know that you know that they they'd managed to pull them from sort of New Japan and Canada or wherever, and and just brought everything together just naturally to put these wrestlers into a product. It was it, it was such a great product at his time, and and that diversity of products actually leads quite nicely to the next match that we see, because we get a big Sally Graziano Sal build at six foot eight and six hundred pounds. Against the giant killer Spike Dudley, five foot five hundred and fifty-five pounds yeah. from ECW Hardcore TV on the second of September, nineteen ninety-eight. <laughs> yeah. There you go, and it's uh, it's a squash match, but not in the way you might think, because it's pretty much Sal going trying to grab Spike, Spike hitting an acid drop, and it's done. Yeah, yeah, one, two, three. And what one thing I found really funny, Spike just stands on this guy's stomach and just sort of, like he paws at him like a cat, just starts stomping on his belly. <laughs> yeah, just a little dance. Yeah. <laughs> but what sort of twist on traditional wrestling and what a unique take to have this guy who's small. There's no bones about it. He's a small dude. Five, five, 155 pounds is small in real life, let alone in wrestling. But you're going to have him be the giant killer and take out these, well, giant blokes. You know, Sal Graziano was a legit 6'8", and he was a big old motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So why not, you know, subverting expectations, twisting it on its head? It's it's going to land. It's going to find an audience. People are going to find it interesting. And he was usually the guy that stood at the back of the FBI as well, wasn't he? You know, it's... yeah a decent giant to crush because he's not someone that was presented as Andre the Giant. Mm. He, he loses nothing by losing. Yeah. He's not a regular wrestler, but you'd always think a guy at 6'8", 600 pounds is going to squat, literally squash Yeah, the smaller bloke. So, don't know about you guys, but couldn't fault that, really. 
No, and I, I always like these sort of, especially if they're done very quickly like this, because as you say, I don't think the big guy really loses because you know it's just like he's got in quick, he's done a quick move, and he's and he's and that's it, he's won, and he's everybody leaves really we're plus to it because the you know it's not as if it's been to in and throwing and he's managed to sort of wangle a win he's just got in got a quick win and got out it's not a giant fella failing to knock out the small guy no 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 it's just somebody that's drastically got in quickly and sneaked to win this is how they should book pete dunn now he's in the land of the giants he's surrounded by all these people that are much bigger than him and they're trying to put him across as you know a hard bastard technical wrestler and you know you look at him in the ring with some people, and you're like, this this is just unbelievable. But the way Spike Dudley won here, a smaller guy just just getting lucky essentially. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Pete Dunn coming quick flurry, get him you know get him down with a you know a quick takedown or whatever, and then grab a submission. Yeah, yeah, or something like that, and then boom, he's done. And then yeah. it, and then it over time it becomes well, who can survive long enough with with Butch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's almost like it's almost like wrestling isn't difficult, and some things are just too obvious. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, we go straight into a we go straight into an Impact Players promo. We have a uh, Dawn Marie's on screen first. She's interrupted by some dude I've never seen before, who's Jason, the sexiest man on earth. Jason Knight. Oh, okay. Still no idea. Um, <laughs> Lance Storm's in the back, looking uncomfortable. Just Incredibles introducing himself as the one-man crime spree. Landstorm, in true Landstorm fashion, introduces himself as the greatest natural athlete in this sport or any other. He just he <laughs> just wants to wrestle, bless him, doesn't he? He doesn't, he doesn't have time for any gimmicks. He doesn't want to be pushed. He just wants a nice technical wrestling match and go home and have some... He doesn't, he, <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck how many crimes just incredibles committed he doesn't give a fuck how sexy jason is he doesn't give a fuck how sexy don marie is he just wants to wrestle and i respect that he's the james milner of wrestling (laughs) (laughs) we need to do a a footballers as wrestlers podcast or vice versa he doesn't even give a fuck when Dawn Marie introduces herself as Lance's personal bitch with a Y. He's just ignoring it. He's, he's just like, this isn't happening, Lance. Go to your safe place. <laughs> this isn't happening. <laughs> You're long enough, they'll let you wrestle. It might not be on TV, but you can have a roll around the mat afterwards. <laughs> if you do this, you can have a Ribena. <laughs> um, and you know, Don Marie freaks out about being a star on TNN, which I actually quite liked because it's putting over the network, and that's that's sensible. Yeah, I love. It. And when we cover the last episode of ECW Hardcore TV, she bookends it, and I think it's brilliant. Yeah, she, she's great in front of a mic. Absolutely, she just seems to know what to do, how to look, um, and what to say. She, I, I, I think she's fantastic in promos. She's a star. On CNN, <laughs> the camera. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, fucking Don Callis, Cyrus sidles in <laughs> and takes credit for ECW success. Calls it calling himself the most underrated, most underutilized talent. But what I loved, like all the while he's trying to cut his promo, the camera's just trying to cut Don Marie. Yeah. <laughs> so like, we, we don't give a fuck what you're saying, Nobby. <laughs> To be fair, that's all he did in um, AEW in 2021, and 
looking back on reflection, I wish Don Marie had been stood next to him with the camera. <laughs> <man. laughs> <laughs> and yet he still somehow managed to be one of the more entertaining things in AEW at that point. Oh no, that that's not fair. There's Dan Lambert. No, Dan Lambert came in after. Fair enough. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, MJF. We've done two episodes on MJF. There's gotta there's gotta be MJF. Yeah, that, that was kind of under duress. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Cyrus is planning uh, he's, he's planning his big move, but he can't get the camera time, which I, again I thought was a nice, nice little touch. And there's a recap of the impact players taking people out, the targeting RVD, the broken a cinder block on dreamers nads and yeah it was it was quite chaotic and maybe ran a little bit long for me uh don't know what you guys felt about it yeah don marie was good <laughs> yeah into lamstone's ribena time didn't it yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> for most of it i'd rather watch lamstone drink a ribena <laughs> He wouldn't have like put the straw in. He'd have like opened it up, like cut the top off with some scissors and poured it into a glass. <laughs> <laughs> or 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 a child's sippy cup. Just... <laughs> well, this is this is how I've always drank it. <laughs> every, every year on my birthday, and sharpening his pencils while he's at it. Yeah. <laughs> He seems like the type of guy who'd always carry a pencil case just in case. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. But after that promo, we're back to Joey Styles and he's hyping up some sort of tour and the magazine, so we've got to have a drink. Drink. Oh, I had my finger hovering over the uh, the screen grab button then and leading make a face. That's a shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking disappointingly. I must get used to it. <laughs> Um, it says a lot though because they're saying that you have to get the magazine to get the live events I mean even the UWA had a hotline for their live events and it's the same same sort of era yeah it's a curious one but I suppose it's just him and being tight (laughs) probably won't pay for hotline (laughs) if if we use the word hotline we've got to pay mean gene (laughs) (laughs) And it's weird that... Yeah, he was on the UWA hotline. <laughs> Fuck off, Dan Lambert. No, not Dan Lambert. It's Dan Belinka, eh? Dan Belinka. No, I said Papa T would be on the hotline. Oh, that'd be worth it. Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to remember, this is the same company that asked the fans to come up with the matches on the last first and we did. <laughs> I'd send them in on a postcard. <laughs> Magical. Magical. <laughs> but after all this, after all this we've already seen, now we get an introduction to the ECW roster. And it's a, a sort of a vignette, and we see Tommy Dreamer, Francine, Balls Mahoney, Super Crazy, Little Guido, uh, and Big Sal, Chris Chetty, New Jack, uh, Uganda, who was Kamala, uh, Spike Dudley, Axel Rotten, Nova, Danny Doring, Roadkill, Landstorm, Dom Marie, Just Incredible, Jerry Lynn, RVD, Sabu, Tajiri and Steve Carino, and then finally Taz. Which, fair enough, it just this felt like this felt like it should have been earlier in the show somehow. Yeah, yeah. Because we're already what half an hour in at this point. Yeah, yeah. Some of this show did feel a little bit all over the place. If if they'd have changed the ordering around, it would have been a bit better. 
Yeah, it wasn't very well structured. And it's kind of typified by what comes next. And it's a uh, a lengthy Taz promo to round out the show. I transcribed the thing and it's, I didn't put every single word in there, but it was, uh, it was 410 words <laughs> of notes I took. And I only took 2,000 for the uh, for the entire show, <laughs> including my wrap-up stuff. It's basically an extended promo about how ECW is more than you think it is, because he says, you know, you think about ECW, you think about the guys with the barbed wire baseball bats, the most vicious chair shots, the flaming tables, powerbombing each other through them. And then the dust settles and you look through all that, and then there's me, the world heavyweight champion, which I actually really like that as a setup. Yeah. Really did like that. Thought thought that was brilliant. And he's talking about. Oh, sorry, Lee. Go on. No, no. I'm just saying again, just like we've said before. I think you know this promo should have been earlier in the show. Mm. It, it would have potentially been something that you could have started with, just to you know meet the champion, get across what the what the product is. And you know, I thought it would just wasted towards the end. Do you know where I'd have put this? I'd have had the recap of Shane Douglas dropping the title before the break. Then you come back from the break, you have this promo from Taz, and then you have Taz versus Rhino. Mm, yeah, yeah. It, that just seems to make more sense to me. Don't know if you guys agree. It makes more sense than I think this did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not saying much, but I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, the the only thing is we have watched some pilot episodes where they haven't had the champions on, notably the AWA Team Series Challenge where they didn't have Larry Zabisco on, and it really suffered for it, and at least they have Taz in a major role on this one. And the first ECW Hardcore TV. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, that is a plus point. Yeah, because they didn't have the Sandman on the first uh, Hardcore TV, did they? No, they only had, uh, only had a vignette. Yeah. Which was a bit of bullshit, to be fair. So, as I say, he's, he's called his, his hands the most vicious weapons in the business. And he, he, he there's a bit more name-dropping. You know, guys, he's beaten. Chris Jericho dumped him on his head and he tapped out. The guy that's supposed to take WCW to our new height, Shane Douglas. Good luck, brother. I don't think your back's strong enough to carry that company. <laughs> that's what, that, those were Taz's words. You know, Shane faced Taz and he, you know, he took the belt from him. He didn't tap, he played the hero. So Taz choked him out and took his hair from him. And then he goes on to Bam Bam Bigelow, the beast from the East, world famous Bam Bam. The big monster from Jersey, dumped him, hooked him, he tapped. And he's, he's, he reels him off again, you know, two cold Scorpio. Went through him, he tapped. Chris Candido dumped him, he tapped. And then that jerk, that idiot, that schmuck Jerry Lawler. Because everybody hates Jerry Lawler, and, and what better way to get people on side with your champion than to say that he fucked up Jerry Lawler? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, choked him out, he tapped out, and that and that was an easy night off. You know, and he, he just goes on. You know, he's not the guy. He's he's not the guy you want your children to grow up to be. He's not going to do TV. He's not going to do an acting gig. He's not going to go with the media or schmooze the Hollywood types. He's too busy training. And he's, you know, he's the ECW World Heavyweight Champion for a reason. He lives by a motto of kill or be killed. Stay tuned, look out for him. He'll be the guy dumping people on the heads and making them tap out. Beat me if you can. Survive if I let you. And this promo, I thought, it were, it were a bit long, but 
it was still very fucking good. But it was an odd way to end the show. Yeah. Although I guess it makes people interested in, in watching Taz. And this was a bit of a, a taster of ECW. You know, you'd had a lot of highlights from previous shows, a bit of introduction to the roster, that kind of thing. You know, this is for new people. And this is trying to get people introduced to Taz. And they'd seen him have, you know, that squash match against Rhino. And, and now they've seen him cut a, a pretty decent promo. Uh, yeah. He does feel like a star. And sorry, before I let Lee come in, one thing I will contradict myself on is that I've just realised this gave Taz top billing. This gave the World Heavyweight Champion top billing. The last thing you see is the, is the Heavyweight Champion saying how much of a badass he is. So I, so I, on in that, I can kind of see where they were coming from. But what did you think to it, Ollie? Um, Taz is a great speaker, isn't he? He does know how to hold a... A, a, a promo, you know. I thought it were really good. It's it, it's everything that you really want your champion to get across. He wants to, he got across what the the federation stood for. He also got across the p the sort of the standard of people that he's beat to get where he is. Lots of name dropping to people that you know that the, the WWE and WCW fans would know. Uh, even if they don't know who Taz is, um, so it makes him sound like a like a a champion that's. Well, what's the word? He um, he puts him on their level, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's a reputable champion. He's he's the same look. You know, I, I deserve to have this belt because I beat lots of people who you think are really good in different federations. Yeah, he's yeah, kind of it's, he positions himself as sort of the hidden gem of wrestling. Yeah. He's yeah. like saying, well, you know, all these guys are big stars. I'm a big star. I've beaten them all. Yeah. yeah. Why, you know, why, why, doesn't, why doesn't he get the recognition? Yeah. That sort of thing. That's kind of what I got off it. Yeah. The, the other thing I got off this was that that hood that he wore over his hair did look like, like loads of dreadlocks and it looked like he got really curly hair. Yeah. But he, he always did, did that. <laughs> He took that right to WWE. He did, yeah. But on this, because it were really dark, it were like, is he wearing a wig? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it when we saw Jesse like Ventura that. with dreadlocks in his hat. Oh, God, yeah, that was awful. <laughs> yeah. He was like Craig Charles on Red Dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we, it, uh... it was just probably lit just that slightly bit too dark, but as I say, as a promo, it was fantastic. I, I thought it, it, you know, it it set up the whole the whole champion of of VCW, and you know, and it, you were wanting to see who we were going to beat next, as you say. So unfortunately, we don't go back to Joey Styles. We don't get to have another drink. Uh, there's no more uh, basement base or whatever I called it before, uh, and that's the end of the show. There were a few ads on the show. There was an ad for ECW merchandise and uh, a phone line to ring. There was also an ad for ECW.com. You can go onto either the phone line or ECW.com and order a paper catalogue that comes to you in the post that you could use your merchandise from. <laughs> oh, that is so 90s. <laughs> it's deliciously 90s. It is. If you miss it, you can get in the yellow pages. <laughs> you have to order the yellow pages and come and wear. You know, it'll take you four weeks. You know, you want to get a T-shirt. You have to wait for the catalogue to arrive for four weeks, and then another four weeks for the product to arrive. You know, 
But these uh, kids, these kids today don't know they're born with their Amazon deliveries next day. We had we had to work for our t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we we didn't go to uh, ECW. We didn't phone the number and we didn't go to ECW.com. Uh, there was an advertisement for ECW magazine. We we didn't buy that. But there was an advert for Roller Jam, and we are definitely going to watch that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we certainly are. <laughs> we kind of have to, don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. But in terms of shout outs that we've had for the show, Danny at Scottish Juggalo said that the trio of Dan, myself, and Lauren was really entertaining. I really enjoyed uh, the show we did on MJF. So thank you very much for that, Danny. Thank you. Yeah. Morty at Morty Junior 5 from the Marty and Fitch Talk Bollocks podcast, which is really great. You should really go listen to that. Said that he was going to listen to Bang Bang podcast on the way to work and listen to UTT on the way back. Sounds like a solid Monday to me. Yeah. Steve-O at Total Steve-O said, uh, you know when a podcast is good, when the opening 10 minutes they're discussing The Simpsons? Absolutely very true. Yeah, that was the uh, the Slam City episode with Mackenzie, wasn't it? It was indeed. Although, in all fairness, just to give Steve-O a bit of Simpsons time, which Simpsons character do you think would be the best fit in ECW? Ooh. Um, Mo. Because he's angry and shotgun. And he doesn't give a fuck about what he does to his body. Moses like versus New Jack. That, that's a good call. I, I'd go for groundskeeper Willie for the same reasons. <laughs> Moses like groundskeeper Willie tag team. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. You have one. <laughs> no, I didn't really watch Simpsons. I must be too old for that. It's only been on for the last 30 odd years. Yeah, that's what I mean, I'm old. How old were you in 1989? Yeah, too old for that. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was at least seven. <laughs> Andy at Bam Bam Podcast was uh, complaining that we were talking about his alcoholic preferences and scrutinising what he drinks, which is mainly just tisky. Well, it's his own fault for drinking piss. Yeah, it really so, is. Do you know what, speaking of which, I'm going to open my salted caramel Tom Coco stout. Fuck you, Andy. <laughs> Tack at Tack Brown said that if The Simpsons were ever in a position to do a classic Brit Rest episode featuring Booker T on commentary, uh, Steve O should get the the uh, the gig. We should be the only voice actor. Yeah, indeed. And Joe for in the ring said that's true. Which it really is. Because it fucking is, yeah. <laughs> oh, bless him. Yeah. Bradley Stevens at Edge Me Harder <laughs> uh, mm, said that he was going to um, check out the podcast when he had a day off work. So ho- hope you're enjoying the podcast uh, and whatever else you're enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, might, might be nearly enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going to enjoy it, but it takes a long time to enjoy it. Yeah. But it just prolongs the pleasure, so I've been told. <laughs> and talking about prolonging the pleasure, I think it's time for the award section. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> Which isn't what you be doing. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Right, get it together, Dan. Come on, you fucking childish dickhead. <laughs> So, yes, the awards section of the show. First up is match of the night. Fuck's sake. 
Oh, right. No, come on. Stop it, you twat. So okay, first up finish line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. That's it. You've teased us enough now. Come on. <laughs> oh, God, I'm crying. <laughs> oh. So, first up is match of the night. So, Lee, who gets your match of the night? It's the, the opener. Uh, Jerry Lynn versus RVD. It, I just thought it were a great match. It was lots of high spots. You know, there were some ropey bits in there that, as you said, they could have edited it out. But, but as I think, as a match, it it was, it was a solid match. And you know, for the for the opening of the show and its first uh, episode, I think it were uh, it were perfect, really, to sort of show a different side of ECW to what everybody thought of. Yeah, no, I can completely understand that, uh, Rob. Yeah, there were a few bits that really took me out of that match. I think the post-production got in the way of it. So I'm going to go for the um, squash match of Taz versus Rhino because it made Taz look like a world beater. Yeah, that's absolutely fair enough. I'm, I very nearly jumped in, uh, as I often do, to uh, to agree with Lee because mine is RVD versus Jerry Lee. And I was going to jump in in the hopes of a clean sweep, and I'm <laughs> glad I didn't now. <laughs> but... Uh, Mine's still RVD versus Jerry Lynn. As much as I enjoyed Taz versus Rhino, post-production aside, the best in-ring action for me came from those two. I can't really say much more than that. Next up is MVP of the night. So, Lee, who gets your MVP? RVD for me, because he just comes across as super confident and super talented. So, yeah, that's definitely my MVP. Yep, that's absolutely understandable. Uh, Rob, who's your MVP? Uh, it's got to be Taz all over the show. Uh, great squash match, great promo. It's Taz. And uh, it's my turn to agree agree with Rob. Uh, my MVP is Taz. He got himself over so quickly in the match, he maximised his minutes. And then the promo at the end, for, uh, although I said it was a little long, it doesn't stop it being great. So that's a good a good portion of the show, at least a third of the show. Is taken up by great work from Taz in one way or another. So, yeah, he gets it for me. Uh, next up is moment of the night. Lee, what was your moment of the night? I had two, but I'm going to go for Spike Dugley winning. I just, I, I love that sort of just out of nowhere finish. It, it was great. Um, my other one would have been, again, from the first match, would have been that sunset flip into a powerbomb, which was just really great. The one through the uh, through the table. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I am going to jump in this time because that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, thought you, I, I thought you were going to jump in there and say you want to see Pete Dunn dancing on a fat man after his <laughs> one quick. <laughs> no, I mean, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Bring back Big Dick Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> My moment of the night is the Sabu video package because it felt like the thing that was going to make people tune in. And buy tickets for a pay-per-view for going to live events it, it felt like the real business was done in that segment yeah fair enough I yeah. Can understand that. not something I'd considered but when you put it like that it makes perfect sense yeah definitely yeah uh, so next up is sign of the night and it was, it was kind of slim pickings as far as I could see but Lee did you get a sign of the night I didn't know no to be honest sorry fair enough I, I only picked out three so Rob did you get one well, I, I only picked out three myself. Do you want me to go through my honourable mentions? or? Uh, yeah, yeah, if you want. 
Yeah. So, well, there was one that said I visit robvandam.com and yep. um, it's still an active website that Rob Van Dam's running. So if you want to find out about Rob Van Dam, <laughs> go on there. <laughs> find, um, out why, find out why you got impact banned from Twitch. <laughs> yeah. There was one sign that just said, and this probably relates to Rob Van Dam's uh, girlfriend and her, her uh, Twitch exploit, got beaver. <laughs> that I saw, but um, the sign of the night goes to Hello, ladies, want a sin time? Call John Mayer, and we're back to Nitro as Tinder. Fair enough. I got one. I got one sign the same, but two different. So I got I visit robvandam.com as I said. I got a, I saw a sign that said I watch City Guys. Now, it turns out City Guys is an NBC high school sitcom. Like, I believe that. I think the Birmingham City guy, fans, this, I watch City <laughs> Guys. I watch, I watch City Guys. I watch City. <laughs> Whether they wearing a Birmingham City shirt. <laughs> Although, to be fair, for this time, for 1999, it, it could be just admitting that they were a fan of the Blue Half of Manchester. Yeah, that's it. Fair play. I watch. I'm, I'm, I'm not a Man United fan. I watch City guys. I watch City. <laughs> I'm, 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 Nicky Summerby, fucking love him. That's it. <laughs> yes, Sean Gorter is a star. Yeah. Oh, Sean Gorter. In 1999, I think Man City were in um, League One, losing to Town. <laughs> yeah, that was that was. No, no, I was going to say Kanchelskis, but he was Man United, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, Nicky, some of his... Hang on, wasn't Darren Hooker be at Man City for a bit? Or was that later on? No, I think... It would have been later, I think, wasn't it? I think, the, I think, the, I think it was 99 when they were in League One, because I had tickets to Man City away, and I was in the pub, and it just came on because they'd moved the bloody date. <laughs> I was just sat there, and I was like, and you not check teletext? <laughs> um, I should have done, shouldn't I? I was too busy playing bamboozled. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, just for anybody who cares, the 1999-2000 Man City squad, they had Nicky Weaver in goal. Nobody of any note in defence apart from Danny Tiato. <laughs> they had Dixon too, who in midfield. And Sean Wright Phillips was playing for him, just breaking through. But they had Paul Dickoff and Sean Goater up front. Feed the goat and he will score. And that, that Joe, was... Royal, Joe Royal was the manager. Yeah. A, a funny story anyway. about Sean Goater is when he, were, when he played for Rotherham, I used to work in a, a GT Sports and he used to come and sit and chat to us all day in GT Sports. <laughs> all day? You were going to say that you worked in GT Smiths and got uh, as many <laughs> vanilla slices as you could eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh god but anyway that, that's that's the i watch city guys sign we've been into being a football podcast again but my <laughs> my vanilla oh i tell you what vanilla slice podcast yes oh. we'll do that big good <laughs> but my sign of the night came in the uh, the rhino uh, taz versus rhino match and it simply said sid is a bitch <laughs> Fair enough. Because Sid Vicious was on at this point. So after all the football and, and Sid's a bitch chat, we get to the most important award of the night, the René Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night. So, Lee, who gets your René Goulet? It was Cyrus. 
His hair was uh, lovely and straight. And he ain't got it no more. <laughs> no. He does, it's in the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, who gets your in here, I must admit, Cyrus was a strong contender, but they flashed past him in a video package, and it's got to be roadkill for his Amish beard. Yeah, I think we're going to pick roadkill as well. It's enough. a great beard. <laughs> hey, that's a... That's a swerve on the Rene Goulet picking facial hair. I like it. I like it. Not because I've picked Roadkill as well, because I've picked Cyrus. Uh, <laughs> because he had fantastic, luscious locks and he ain't got them no more, bless him. But it was great hair. And he just, thing is, I think, I don't know if it was in this episode or the one we'll cover in a, in a subsequent episode, but he had it sort of like done up at the back, in like a, but only part of it, like a little ponytail, it just screamed twat. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's that's just my thoughts on it. So yeah, that was uh, that was ECW on uh, on TNN. So Lee, what would you rate that show out of ten? I thought it was a strong start. It, you know, there were some decent matches, and and so I get it a seven point five. Wow, fair enough. Rob, what would you rate it out of ten? Yeah, pretty much in the same sort of ballpark. I, I thought there was some really decent stuff on the show. I just thought it was in the wrong order and the production wasn't up to much, so that, that kind of took it down a bit for me. 6.5, but that's kind of watching it as someone that's seen bits of ECW before. I imagine to a large proportion of the audience this was the first time they saw ECW and probably would have thought about it more favourably. Mm. Fair enough, yeah. I've... Uh... I'll just run through a few of my thoughts here. I thought it started off really strong with the uh, the RVD Lynn match. And it, it sort of descended into a clip show, but it was a good clip show, if you know what I mean. It was it was obviously chopped and changed from various different settings, but it didn't necessarily matter. They showed off enough in-ring in the opener to know what they're about, and both RVD and Jerry Lynn just felt like hot commodities. Taz was immediately promoted as a killer and it was nice to see the champion on the opening shows. We've seen so many times in the past they don't always do that. They hold the champion back until an episode or two in. They did sort of a good they did a really good job of showing you what the promotion was about. Saying this is ECW. We've got the two guys in the opener will do the flippy shit, the bringing the high, you know, sort of the high impact offense and and then the bit of the hardcore stuff, and they just, just sort of sprinkled everything like that sort of pretty well about the show. It tailed off a bit for me. Spike Dudley was a curiosity. You know, the the, the giant killer was a sort of unique take on, on the squash match. The Impact Players promo, for as good as Don Marie was, was dull. Joey Styles, any time they go back to, as we call it, satellite base, is a bit, yeah, it's all right, but it's not great. Taz's promo was decent, but again, a bit too long for me. And like Rob said, I, I just felt it could have been aired in a, in a better order. It just felt sort of out of sync. So if I'm being generous, it, it, it gets a six. It does, because I enjoyed what I watched. But if I was in a less generous mood, it could have got a five or a 5.5. But I'll go with a six, because I was in a good mood when I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I, I, I always say on this show I will own up to my arbitrary bullshit and that is certainly one of those moments <laughs> so would it surprise you and there's going to be two surprises this week because we've got a cage match rating 
and enough people have voted for it on IMDb as well. So we've got people who voted from it from a wrestling point of view and people who voted from a television point of view. Oh, wow. So for Cage Match, it got four out of ten. Wow. Hmm. Okay. That's slightly surprising. I thought they'd yeah. been maybe a bit more generous, a bit more in line with what we thought. IMDb, if you're reviewing it as a television show as opposed to a wrestling show, 8.2 out of 10. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> so if you average that out. <laughs> yeah, about right, yeah. That's unreal, that. And, and you'd have thought really, it should have been the other way around because you would have thought yeah. that the wrestling fans would have probably been more favourable to it than the other fans. But it goes the back TV to what fans. you... It kind of ties in what we're saying Lee, about him and being so ahead of his time. He, he's putting out a good television show, not or a very good television show, not necessarily a good a great wrestling show for a lot of people. Maybe, yeah, 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 true, yeah. yeah. And I imagine a lot of the people who reviewed it on Cage Match are coming from the angle of having watched ECW and thinking, oh well, I, I, you know, I've seen this match before. I've seen this on ECW Hardcore TV. I've seen this at the pay per view. This is just a clip show. Whereas the people on IMDb are probably reviewing it from, this is just the first time I've seen this sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, true. Yeah, potentially. It's uh, That's definitely one of the more interesting uh, sort of cage match slash IMDb reviews that we've had. I hope going forward with other shows that you do, that there's the same, like, that you can sort of just check between them again because it'd be quite interesting to see how that sort of, you know, some of the WWE ones at what the difference would be between them as well because that's really interesting. It you know to have such a big difference between them is is really surprising. Yeah, not a lot of shows have the IMDb ratings. Unfortunately, it's just just lucky that this one did. But yeah, I mean, I, I will keep checking it just for any episodes review in the future to see if it's there. But you know, it, it does put a different dimension onto it. I don't think World yeah. of Sports can have it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start editing it on. Definitely. But it is dead interesting to see the difference between a wrestling fan's opinion and uh, and a TV fan's opinion. It really is. So I just I can't really say any more than that. It just, just intrigues me. No, no, no. So, surprising, really surprising that. I enjoyed it though. Like I say, as much as you know, I gave it a six and could have given it a five, it was still very good and I've enjoyed talking about it even more, as usual. So as we're signing off, Lee, where can people find you? I'm on Facebook and Twitter as LDCon71, or you can get my immersive theatre company's FV Immersive and E.G. Immersive, and that's on both, that's on Twitter, um, Facebook, and Instagram as well. Very good. Uh, Rob, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers, so I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back. Uh, you can find our bonus series on Booking the Tankatory at UTT Tank, where you'll also get some hashtag tank facts such as Tank Abbott will take over from the McMahons. And this is following Stephanie McMahon leaving um, WWE for a, a period. So we know that Tank Abbott's going to be taking over. So it's going to be a hard-hitting style going on from there. Only logical choice. Yeah. Most Hollywood celebrities put their hands in wet cement outside Garmin's uh, Chinese theatre to save their handprints forever. 
Tank Abbott just punched a paving slab. <laughs> but it wasn't even one outside the theatre. He punched it like six streets down and then ripped it up and carried it with him. And all standing insurance policies exclude acts of Tank Abbott. Well, how can you predict that? Exactly. So listen to UTT Tank if you want to hear about the career of Tank Abbott. Also on the same channel, you can get the One Man's Meat podcast where the real Chris Bellis and Danny at Scottish Juggalo are following the forgotten storylines, wrestlers who might not be might not be loved, that kind of thing. Really worth checking out. Uh, get on there. They have promises a big Vito episode coming forward, which uh, we'll absolutely love because uh, we're big fans of the Pisons. So... Looking, looking forward to seeing a bit of Skull Von Crush action. Yeah, I can't wait. The more, uh, the more Mamelukes, the better. Yeah, superb. Just don't ask about, uh, was it Big Vito's sister's wedding? We'll be talking about that when we cover the final episode of ECW <laughs> on TNN. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, anyway, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, uh, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. As well as uh, UTT Tank, you can also hear me on the Doctor Who pod uh, that I do with Cy Powell. By the time this drops, we'll be well into season two, still alternating between uh, old Who and new Who. But uh, Cy will be picking the new Who, I'll be picking the old Who, and we may even have some special guests appearing as well. So uh, keep your ears peeled for that. Thank you very much, gents. It's been an absolute, absolute, absolute pleasure. I'm Sean Connery, a really bad facsimile of it with a thick Yorkshire accent rather than Scottish. <laughs> so thanks very much, lads. Been a pleasure. And I'm sure we'll have you back soon, Lee. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. Thank you for listening. I am the ECW World Heavyweight Champion for a reason. I live by a motto called kill or be killed. That's what I'm about. Stay tuned. Look for me. I'll be the guy with this. Dumping people on their head and making them tap out. You see, my name is Taz. And I am the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. Beat me if you can survive if I let you are.